catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're on a collision course for the national championship and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. Every single play, you got to find a way to get it done. Play after play after play after play. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin. Welcome in from the Pink Seats Podcast, Jacob Lane, Vince Lococo. We have got a great show for you tonight. I know football, especially here at Louisville, on the back burner a little bit as we've gone through the Super Bowl uh, and the NFL playoffs, and uh, things kind of have quieted down on the recruiting front as National Signing Day has, uh, you know, gone past now. But uh, still, anytime we can get a great guest on the show and talk a little football, you you know we're going to do that. And that's exactly what's going to go on tonight. Vince Coco, welcome in. How are you, my friend? It's great to see you. I'm good, bro. You know, nice weather today. Appreciate, you know, boss man yourself giving us the week off last week. Took a nice needed vacation. Been busting my ass all football season. Vince's game notes here. Vince's game notes there. So, I mean, it was nice to take some time off. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I, Matt was not allowed to have time off, and he took it anyways. Uh, so we're going to have to have a conversation about that when he comes yeah, back. Yeah, he, he, he's uh, claiming basketball game, but we did just see him buy that PS5 on Twitter. That's right. So, you know, he he really told on himself there. Uh, but we've got a great show in order for you all tonight. Kittrell Clark, uh, one of the top cornerbacks to play for Louisville in the last decade, uh, is going to step aside from the NFL draft prep to to join us and talk some football. And Vince, I, I think the Jair Alexander comparisons for him really didn't set in until after that first year. But when you look at their games and you look at the impact, especially the impact of what they did for Louisville's defense in terms of shutting down a side of a field. I mean, you were there for the years between Jair and and uh, to to Trey. And so you saw how bad that was at times, 2018, 2019. I mean, you know, it was a struggle sometimes to find guys to to, to be able to play that corner spot. What was his impact like? Um, well, first of all, you were around both of those guys. Is that comparison? Does that hold up? And I uh, think so. I mean, and I wouldn't be the only one telling you that, as you know, you guys will hear as we get into the interview. I, you know, the Jair comparisons, I, I don't know if he likes them because he likes to think of himself as his own player, his own unique style. You'll hear him say, you know, he pulls from all these different people and stuff, as you should, you know, pull from the best. You don't want to just model yourself after one person. But I mean, just his foot, his uh, footwork. 
alone and how how he breaks on things and uh, his angles coming out of those breaks, uh, the capability, you know, to play fearless, like he speaks about on those screenplays, those tunnel screens and uh, anything thrown behind the behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, just an incredible player to be around. And I mean, he locks anytime you can have somebody locked down one side of the field, you're feeling pretty good on defense. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did a, a little bit of everything for Louisville, and this this past season was particularly challenging for him coming back from that injury and trying to rebound to be the the athlete that we knew he was while playing in a, a fairly new position. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting when you look at the just the switch. You wouldn't think that's a big deal, right? You and I, if we get moved over a cubicle, uh, no one's gonna. We're not gonna <laughs> break gonna anything. Notice. No, no one will notice, right? We'll just we'll be in a new cubicle. But for him, he's in a new spot on the field, uh, and at times it looked like he was trying to find his confidence and trying to get back to that rhythm. But um, you know, uh, he's he's fairly confident. I'm pretty sure in himself after what we just heard. But tail of the tape for him. Uh, when you talk about his impact, 127 tackles at Louisville, 92 solo tackles. That that's pretty impressive for a guy playing mostly on an Island. Uh, I know this past year, not so much, but mostly on an Island. Those are, those are pretty good tackling numbers. Teams are going to like that, especially at his size, which is not, not to be, you know, taken lightly in terms of, you know, him being, you know, five ten, five nine, five eleven, somewhere in that range. You know, when you're five ten, Vince, you and I are, vic- we're victims of, of this. You're just, you're grouped with between like five, eight and five eleven. You're just I, all I, one. I'm, I'm six foot in the uh, university of Louisville program on go cards. You guys can play Rocco for that one. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. If I got the option to fill out my own height on anything, I think I would, which I mean, I guess I, I could on my driver's license, but <laughs> I'd be lying and I, maybe that's a crime, but anywhere else, if I got the chance, I would definitely list myself at six one because it with shoes. Come on now. But no, when you're talking about him, um, he's a tackling machine. He's had um, over his career. He has 13 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half at Louisville, inc- including four this past year, a career high at Louisville um, for him. And then he's, you know, sacks, interceptions, uh, touchdowns, fumble recoveries. He, he's done a little bit of everything. And he's been the heartbeat, I feel like, of Louisville's defense since that 2020 season when he came over from Liberty. And, and you know, we didn't really dive into this in the interview, but he came to Louisville, if you remember, Vince, from Liberty because of issues at the school regarding racism. You know, it wasn't just because he wanted to, you know, it was to move up a, a level, but there was a lot of things happening at a school it is, it, you know, where he was at, at home. It was a good experience for him, it seemed like, to then come to Louisville and get this opportunity, and he really took advantage of it. We're going to dive into all of that tonight on the show. I'm really excited to get into that. Uh, so, you know, if if you're excited for big guests, this is the place to be for Louisville football. I, I tell you that. Every I, I hope I hope you're sitting in like in some form of a relaxed atmosphere because I mean, Jacob, I, I don't know about you. After we were done with this, I was like ready to go lift, run through a wall. I mean, Trey is just that type of player and that type of person that gets it's like all oh, the perfect answers. Dude. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't get it. But uh, yeah, I, I hope everybody enjoys this one. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. If you're not subscribed already, subscribe to the show from the Pink Seats Podcast anywhere that you get your podcast from. Give us a follow on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod at Jacob Lane 08 at Vincent Lacoco. Uh, Stateoflouisville.com is the website where you can get all the content you need. State of Louisville Podcast Network is who brings you the show. And we are excited for this one tonight. We will go ahead and jump right into it now. Trey Clark joins the show. We keep it packed each week with big big names, big stars, and we're excited to keep that trend moving right along here. Tonight, we're joined by our good friend Trey Clark, former Louisville football cornerback, 
Dre, we have seen you on our television the last couple of weeks, balling out on the practice fields and then on the game field, seeing that draft stock rise, man. How are you? And uh, welcome into the show. Man, man, I appreciate it, man. I say I'm just blessed. I'm complete, man. Um, I'm taking it all in day by day. It's been it's been an amazing experience, uh, something that I could never imagine. Uh, you know, people and I can get all the information from all my my peers who went through this process, but going through it is just is just a little bit different, man. And, um, shoot, man, it's, it's been it's been amazing, bro. Yeah, well, it's been great to see. And uh, Vince, I know you probably especially proud after being oh, yeah. you know, so close with him for for the season that y'all were together. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Trey came in uh, to the, the what did you show up that summer of 2020, I believe, just yeah. randomly. I didn't even know that we were recruiting Trey. And yeah. uh, I mean, this dude shows up on campus and Jacob, I shit you not immediately. Uh, I'm not just saying it because he's on the show. He shows up and he's the best corner on the field. Yeah. Like, and I remember Trey and I talking about that in the locker room and stuff like that. And uh, it's awesome to see the full everything come full circle now with you finally getting to, you know, take that next step and that next journey. So, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty cool. So kudos to you, brother. And, uh, you know, let's go ahead and start from the top on that. Uh, you know, you left Liberty in 2020 uh, that uh, 2020 summer. What was your recruitment like coming out of high school? you know, to where you didn't get these bigger offers, bigger names and stuff like that. And then in comparison to whenever you were deciding to leave Liberty and come to Louisville. Okay. That's a great question, man. Uh, you know, out of high school, I wasn't a heavily recruited guy. Um, shoot. I, I didn't receive my first offer until my, my senior year of high school. Um, and it was, it was from like a D3 school called UVA wise um, in, in Virginia. Uh, and that's that's a school in the country, and I was excited for that offer, man. Um, and as that season went on, you know, I didn't really start blooming really until until my senior season. Um, that's when I kind of I kind of set the standard for myself, um, and that's when I just I really set the bar high, man. I played on all phases of the game. I played on offense. I played defense. I was on kickoff, kickoff return, any anywhere I can get on the field. Uh, to showcase my talents, bro, I hopped on the field, you know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to make a statement that I was going to get a Division I offer. Um, and, and I did, man. I was I was the number two punt returner in the nation at one point, bro. Like, yeah, bro. Like, bro, Jacob, did, why was he not returning punts for us? I don't <laughs> I know, know that. And you know I, I couldn't yeah. make that decision either, Trey, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good, bro. I, hey, I make it to the league, bro. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm do it the same thing. Anywhere I can get on the field, I'm gonna be there. But uh, man, yeah, I was just doing everything, bro. I was returning punts, kickoff returns, man. Offense, defense, I, every every play, I was in the game. I felt like, um, and 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 we won the state championship my senior year of high school as well. So um, that really helped me when it came to you know my recruitment because after the season, you know, I really had. It wasn't a lot of NIL. It wasn't NIL going on. It wasn't transfer portal frenzy. It wasn't crazy as what like it is now. So, you know, coaches were still going to these public high schools and, you know, visiting and different things. So, you know, I had some schools start to come through, uh, you know, some schools like Mac schools, like Western Michigan and uh, uh, like UNC Charlotte, yeah. uh, just, just a bunch of schools like that. And at one point I committed to uh, – UNC Charlotte, 
So that was that was a school that I was actually going to go to. Um, okay. They were my yeah. Nobody, not too many people know that. Um, that was actually my first off. My first D one offer was UNC Charlotte. So that and, that shows you the kind of person Trey is, Jacob. He's very loyal. So that first <laughs> offer, I know, I know you probably pulled that. Yep. Yeah. Hey, bro. They, I said, okay. They, they willing to take a chance and a shot on me because they believe in me. Uh, I didn't have all the stars. I didn't have any of that, bro. So I was like, man, I'm going to UNC Charlotte. Um, the reason I didn't end up going there um, is because the coach that recruited me, uh, the, the whole coaching staff ended up getting fired. Um, so I was, I was like, man, that it was kind of, it was like, ah, so welcome to college football, wake up call right there. Yeah, yeah. So what do I? I was like, what do I do now? Uh, and then I started to decide that I'm going to choose a school based on the school instead of the coaches. Now, if the coaches were to leave, would I still love that school? Um, and that's when some other offers started opening up to, to open up for me. Um, and, and that's when I took a partial visit. So I went to Liberty and Western Michigan in the same weekend um, for an OB. And I went to Western Michigan first. Um, it was Kalamazoo, very cold out there. Um, yeah, it, it was it was different. It was most definitely different. Uh, you know, I'm from Virginia. They get cold, but not that cold. Um, and <laughs> Just went out there. Um, it was a, it was a great experience too. But when I went to Liberty, man, it just I don't know if you ever seen the facilities at Liberty. It's amazing. Um, oh, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful facilities. I mean, yeah, bro, yeah, it's crazy, and they they always building something. And I just felt like it was home, bro. You know, at that moment, you know, I took that visit there. I felt home with the coaches. I felt home just in the area. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't, wasn't tripping about it too too much. I enjoyed it. I was an hour away from home too. So it was kind of like plus, plus, plus. And then, you know, Coach Hugh Freeze just came from Ole Miss too. And he brought his staff. Uh, so boom. And then that goes into me. After that season, I played at Liberty. Then I hit the portal. Uh, I had a I had a pretty good year at Liberty. I played, a, I started a majority of the games as a freshman. Um, and I played in every game. Had a couple of PBUs, had numerous tackles. Um, so hitting the portal, my name was a little bit known. Um, and then that's when I started to get some big offers when I hit that portal, man. It, I I never I never knew how the process went, bro. I, I seen all my homeboys get all the big offers, the West Virginias, the you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. And I was like, man, I wish I could have that. Um, and and it happened. You feel me? So that's crazy. Uh the the portal transfer stuff and uh, just how the landscape of college football is going now. Uh, it, it's just wild to me that coaches are pulling more from the transfer portal than they would be from uh, from high school. And then in, in yeah. your part, I mean, it mm-hmm. turned out to be probably one of the best decisions you've made is, you know, trying to, you know, making that step up and going to Louisville. I remember when Brian Brown spoke about you for, you know, one of the first times after you transferred and, you know, you come into Louisville as a, from a smaller school, you know, obviously you got the offers in the portal. So fans are excited about that, but they're still a little bit unsure of, you know, what, what does that mean from an impact standpoint? And coach Brown starts to kind of like lay it out. Like this kid is going to be special fans like, Oh, you know, okay. I, you know, maybe that's off season chatter. Then the first year comes and it's just like, holy bleep, like this kid is the real deal. I mean, I remember doing uh, episodes that whole season where we would look at some of the advanced metrics and some of the stats. And it's like, this is the best corner in the country. And 
to this day, the fact that you weren't first team all ACC that first year is unreal to me, unreal <laughs> to me. But tell me about that transition up. What was that like for you going from a smaller school to a bigger school? And then having that, I mean, you're, you're you become the star overnight, like becoming the the top one of the top defensive guys for Louisville. Yeah. Uh, I say for me, man, that transition, I just wanted to make sure that um, I can I control the things that I could, you know, and that was just making sure I'm in my playbook. Um, soon as I got soon as I got to Louisville, it was during the summertime um, and I didn't have the playbook yet. So I'm hitting coaches up. Can I get the playbook, please? Um, I'm in my I'm in my uh, dorm just studying the plays before I even step foot on the campus grounds. You know, uh, just making sure that when I stepped in on fall camp, I knew what to do, you know, and, and that was the main thing for me. It was all the mental part. As far as getting on the field, man, and competing with guys that were four stars or five stars, um, that was the part where I was like, okay, what's going to be the difference? Is it, is it really a difference? Uh, so I, it was a little bit of nervousness in uh, when my first practice. Uh, but then, you know, I was guarding my boy, Dan Patrick. Um, and he was he, – he a baller, you know. You know, Dez, he yeah. got drafted. That's, we ain't got to talk about that too much. But um, should I lined up against him, uh, guard him, and I ain't do too bad. You feel me? I caught a pick. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I can do this. All right. So a- after that, man, I was like, look, bro, it's football is football regardless, bro. It don't matter if you playing in the NFL, if you playing flag. It's still football, bro. You got to compete no matter what. So then when I said that in my head, it didn't matter who I went against, bro. It was just all to just dominate whoever in front of you there in a way. At the first year was the COVID season, correct? Yeah. 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 So like what what, uh, for you coming in, like did that present a challenge for you at the same time, not being able to, you know, be around the guys and the coaches and in the facility like that? Uh, Because, I mean, I know for me, I was around for – four or five years by the time you got there and it was just uncomfortable for me not being able yeah. to be there. Yeah. I think it was an uncomfortable space for everybody in the world and <laughs> not just me, man. <laughs> um, and I say for me, not being able to take an official visit to Louisville, you know, I had to kind of shown everything through zoom, you know, and it's hard. It's like, okay, do I believe what these guys are telling me? Like, is this place really what they making it seem right now? Cause you know, all, you're going to have all the pretty pictures, but then I get off the plane. Like, what am I going to see? You feel me? So, <laughs> but man, it was, it was, it was me having to really step into my faith, you know, and, and just trust God. Um, when it was uncomfortable, just let him lead the way for me. Um, that was the main thing, bro. Because like I said, it was a tough time for everybody. In your three years at Louisville, bro, your stats, I mean, they improved every year, especially on uh, a tackling sense. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that people struggle to find in a lot of corners is one that pulls the trigger early, uh, has that sense of urgency, and isn't afraid to go up there and make that hit. So is that something you've always carried with you throughout uh, every year or throughout your game, or is that something that you overemphasize over your time at Louisville? I say, from a tackling standpoint, the more weight I gain, the more confident I got. <laughs> just, just being real. Yeah, that makes yeah, in life, generally in life, I feel the, the exact opposite, right? The more weight I gain, <laughs> usually the less confident I get. But, but it, seems like, it seems a little different here. Yeah, bro. So for me, the more weight I gain, the more confident that I really got to stick my nose in there a little bit more. Um, and, and I know that 
for me, guys don't expect me to just come down there full ass speed, excuse my language. And, you know, you're good. You can cuss on here. Hey, just give it my all. You feel me? So, man, I say through time as my weight get progressed and I started to feel like the game slowed down for me. That's when I didn't really worry about tackling. I feel like that what that is what separates me from a lot of guys, even a lot of guys in this in this draft class, if not all, is that my willingness to just throw my body in there at my size, you know, with no care, uh, knowing that I have no fear whatsoever. Yeah, I have proof of that, right? So I just searched back in, in my phone here, and I don't know if you can see this picture, <laughs> Trey, uh, and I don't know if you remember this moment here. Uh, but it was the full suplex against Wake Forest where we got an example of what that looked like this year. Um, how, how, like, how is that, in your opinion, something that uh, from like a tackling standpoint at the next level, you know, when you go up and you're able to, do you see yourself being somebody who can be more, you know, involved in the run game, who can be able to do whatever is needed from a tackling standpoint with some of those bigger, you know, 220, 230 running backs and some of those tight ends like, a, you know, Travis Kelsey, a guy like that? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, it's all about having no fear. Um, I don't care who it is on this planet. You can't run without any legs, bro. So <laughs> if I go and I chop you down, bro, it's it's pretty much over with. Um, it's easier said than done. But like I said, if you go in there with the perfect form tack of tackling, um, make sure you wrap and roll like I've done a million times in those drills at practice then it doesn't matter who it is. They're going down. Uh, so I see myself as being a, a person effective in the run game, especially when it comes from the nickel spot. Because um, that's the nickel spot nowadays. You got to be able to defend the run game. You got to be able to fit certain holes. Or mm -hmm. if you're coming on a blitz, you got to be able to tackle. Um, but then on the outside of that corner, you know, a lot of offenses are making corners tackle now too. So I feel like, the run game, feeling that is no issue for me at all. Um, it's a lot of guys in the league that is my size. Mike Hilton, you feel me? Uh, I was just about to say, that's one of my <laughs> favorite corners in the yeah. NFL is Mike Hilton, man. Mike Hilton, Buddha Baker, like uh, Asante Samuel. A lot of guys that's my size, bro, that's in there laying their whole body on the line with no care and no fear. Man, it's in particular, it's those uh... – those screen passes, those tunnel screens, uh, things like that. Uh, you say like, go be able to go in there with no fear, you know, that reckless abandonment or like, wh what are you aiming for a lot of times on that? I mean, a lot of guys, a normal fan wouldn't know what even you're looking for, or what you're trying to hit. They just see, yeah. you know, Trey Clark blowing some shit up in the backfield, blowing a screen play up or something yeah. like that. So are you trying to force it back inside to your help? Or are you trying to, you know, force them outside of the sideline? Where's your game plan on that? See, when it comes to the screen, I feel like sometimes Coach Brown just called the perfect call for that uh, because I feel like it would be my responsibility to take away the screen every time. And sometimes, <laughs> you feel me? But so we had a full five-minute period on it during practice <laughs> during every, every day. <laughs> so you're damn right yeah. it's your responsibility. <laughs> yeah, bro. So I feel like it would be my responsibility for the screen. You know, if we're in cover two, I'm a screen player. I'm gone. If I see the quarterback even inch and look that way a little bit, or I see two tight ends coming to block me, they're not running no fake and, and go with the tight end. They coming to block me. So I'm gone automatically. So that's that's the kind of things I look for. Um, and sometimes I communicate with my safeties 
um, if we in quarters or whatever, and they don't, if they're the pull the trigger guy, then I'll just let them know, like, look, bro, just let me go. This one, fill the lane right here. Yeah. <laughs> just, let, just let me go, bro. And you fit off of me. How, let's, let's just make it work like yeah. that, bro. Because um, not this not getting in my teammates, but I was, I'm, I can smell one. So <laughs> I can smell it. So, the old, the old, he's going to make it right, Jake. <laughs> When you talk about, you know, your game and it evolving over time at, at Louisville, as we've talked a little bit about here, you know, we saw your athleticism. We saw your ability to really lock down one side of the field in 2020. Uh, and then you come back in 2021 and through the first eight games, you're looking like a first round NFL draft pick. Like it's, you know, a, a done deal that at the end of the season, you're headed off towards, uh, you know, the next part in your football journey. And then you go down with the ACL injury. Uh, obviously, I, I didn't know Vince at the time, but we've talked a lot in the last couple of years of being friends about what that recovery was like for him. But for yeah. you, what was that like? What did you learn about yourself? Um, and what was the bounce back like? You know, how hard is it mentally to get your play, your mind in a place to go back out and, and do exactly what you've been talking about, which is play with no fear? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question, bro. Uh, if anybody ever asks me what's the hardest thing I've ever been through or what's like the biggest adversity I had to get through, I always revert to, you know, that, you know, because, man, I had to, I went through a whole mental process of just not being able to be on the field anymore. Um, I had to sit around for months and can't run. Got to watch my guys, spring ball, I'm watching my guys. Um, and I really had to become selfless. I had to become a true leader. Um, and that's when I really learned what it meant to be a leader uh, while I was going through that process. Uh, I say from from just from the standpoint, just a bouncing back, man, it was it was tough. Um, it was it was it was a hurdle that I had to jump over. Um, no, forget that it wasn't a hurdle. I had to jump. over. I had to kick the hurdle over. You feel <laughs> me? Like, get out of my way. You feel me? Like it was it was it was something, bro. I literally had to kick that door down. Um, even when I came into the season, I felt good. But mentally, I was still. Oh yeah. Don't get hurt. No, yeah. don't get hurt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, taking, don't... That, taking the brace off alone is like that's yeah. a big step in a guy who's recovering yeah. from their ACL, and to be able yeah. to confidently plant, which I mean, your your job plant and come up field. I mean, I yeah, not for sure. And I was, and I was, and the thing for me was, man, I'm feeling like I'm coming out my break fast, and I feel like I'm I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to, and then I look on film, and I'm like. Hey, I'm coming on my break a little bit slow. Like it look, it feels fast, but then when I look at the film, I'm like, nah, bro, this this ain't it, bro. You know what I'm saying? What is it? What do I have to do, bro? I started preparing different for the games, man. I, I probably changed my pregame ritual a thousand times during the season this year, you know, just because I had, I say for me, I had a lot of talk based on how I played in that 2022 season, 2021 season or whatever. Mm. Um and, you know, just having to just try to like, I set the bar high for myself. You feel me? So coming back, I was like, man, I got to come back even better. You feel me? But I, I had to put it in my head. Like, look, bro, you can't worry about what nobody else is saying. It is what it is. Like, you, you got to get through this, bro. You know, it's a mental hump that you got to get through. You may not be playing how people want you to play. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you got to control what you can. Um, and that's when about game five, game six, I really tapped back into myself and I started to feel like myself again. Um, and that was going into like Boston College and then by week and then we had Wake Forest and I started to feel a lot better, man.
what was it like for you, you know, in most years on a college football team, I would imagine there are somewhere between 10 to 12 guys who get injured. They're out for the season. But last year, what was really, you know, it was really odd was that you go down, Monty goes down, Braden Smith go down, but then you guys all come back. What was that like for you all? Like you all had to probably live together in the training room the entire off season. Like what is it, you three of you going through that same exact experience at the exact same time? What was that like? Yeah, man, we just had to lean on each other. Uh, that was the main thing. Me, me and Monty and, and Braden, we had to lean on each other. Um, sometimes it would be nobody else in the training room but us three. You know, everybody home on their break, but we still in Louisville, you know, rehabbing. So it was it was like we had to push each other. When, when one person was down, we had to pick each other up uh, because you, you go through those rough, them rough patches, you know, during being hurt. Um, anybody that's been hurt know that too. Sure. So getting a little bit more, getting a little bit more onto that season, onto this past season, uh, 2022, it it seemed like uh, about halfway through the year after that BC game, like you mentioned that UVA game, right, Jacob, Uh, you guys started sending a lot more pressure, disguising stuff a little bit more. The D line was uh, uh, getting pressure and things like that. Uh, you as a corner and the DBs as a whole, did that, you know, make your all's job easier or harder, you know, knowing that if you guys just lock it up, like it's a wrap where we're, we're, we're going to get a coverage sack or he's going to throw something stupid up and we have an opportunity to uh, make a play. And one thing Coach Brown always said was coverage dictates pressure and pressure dictates coverage. You feel me? So at the end of the day, if them guys eating up front, it make it a whole lot easier for us on the back end. And if we're on the back end and it's taking them a little bit longer to get to the quarterback and we're locking locking guys up on the back end, that's how you get those sacks. So it kind of goes hand in hand, bro. Oh, I bet you loved it too, bro. You got a little bit got in the mix this year on a sack, a sack and a half. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, sure. I see you. <laughs> So well, versatility, man, that Mike Hilton in him right there. Uh, but talking about that season as from a scheme perspective, what was really interesting was the decision for you to go and play more inside at, at the corner spot than outside, which is where you had mostly played um, in 2020 and 2021. I mean, I, I feel like you probably played in there from time to time, just, you know, whatever the, the player scheme dictated. But really, it seemed like much more of a scheme, um, you know, optimization or a, a scheme upgrade for them. It was to try to sneak you inside to play Quincy and play Chandler, some of the other dynamic corners that you guys had in that room. Uh, but how tough was that for you coming off the ACL injury, knowing like, you know, I played outside for most of my career. That's where I've had the most of my success. Like, that's where I'm trying to be. What was that balance like of the coaches saying this is what we need for the scheme versus what you needed for your film and what you felt like you needed for the next part of your career, especially coming off that injury? Yeah. So I say the easiest, the easy thing for me to do was to say, look, coach, I don't want to play that position. It's going to mess up my stock. I'm not sure if it's going to help me. I just came off an injury. I could have came up with a thousand excuses, but I didn't. I said, look, coach, I bet you need me. Wherever you need me, I'm going to play. You need me in the slot, I'm going to go there. You need me at corner, I'm going to go there. Um, and, and, and to be real, I feel like it benefited me It benefited me as well um, because, I, because I showed my versatility. You know, I was showing that I was able to go play outside and there was a lot of questions. Can he play inside? I never really seen him play there. And I did it a lot this season. Um, so I feel like it was most definitely a change. It was something that I was 
I knew that I was going to play it going into the season uh, because me and my coaches had did talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it's different from talking about it and then going out there and actually doing it and getting the reps. You have trial and error. You know, it's really my first year really playing in a slot, even from a practice standpoint. My first three years, I never really practiced in the slot, you know. So this was my first year really trying to making sure that I'm on it to a T. You feel me? So it was different. I had I won some battles, lost some battles, you know, but at the end of the day, man, it made me a better player. And now I'm I can I can play it. I'm comfortable. Look, I know that you're going to say, no, nah, you know, I've, I've taken myself in any matchup one-on-one, -on -one, but was there ever a guy when you get to that spot and you're lined up on the field and you look up and you see somebody and you're like, oh, shit, this is about to get, you know, we're about to, this is about to get interesting right here. You know, whether it be like a Zay Flowers or somebody who you wouldn't normally be kind of matched up with inside. Yeah, no, nah, that's crazy. You said, I was, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I was watching film on Zay all week. Um, I, I have no idea why I didn't follow him all game. That's not, that's kind of out of my control, bro. Mm -hmm. But me personally, I feel like I should have followed him all game. So I didn't really get to guard him as much as I wanted to, unless we were in a dime package. But yeah, he was the guy that I felt like most definitely got a lock in uh, when, you, when you're going against him for sure. Cause he, shoot, he a, he a top 100 pick. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on From the Pink Seeds podcast with Trey Clark. Does this ever happen to you? Do you ever get sick of listening to the same old sports radio? Mount Rushmore this, hot seat that, the same rehashed old musty takes you've been hearing for years. Does it send you into a fit of rage causing you to lose control of the steering wheel, crashing into a vehicle leading to you being late to a big meeting at work which leads to your ultimate firing and downward spiral of your life? Does this ever happen to you? Don't send your life into a downward spiral. Do what thousands of others are already doing. Listening to the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Louisville football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, Louisville City and racing Louisville soccer, Louisville culture, and so much more. State of Louisville Podcast Network and stateofluisville.com. Real fans' opinions for real fans like you. Moving on throughout the season, past you know you guys turned it on. You had that y'all had that great game against Wake. Uh, went on the win streak. Uh, bowl season hits, and uh, Coach Satterfield decides to leave and go to Cincinnati. And you obviously didn't play in the bowl game. Do you see any extra motivation from the guys uh, just whenever you were around the facility and stuff like that? Uh, just knowing the news that Coach Sat had went to the school that we're about to play in the bowl game. Yeah, it was most definitely weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to ask that question, bro. Like we asked it to T, we asked it to T Huddy and uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, all the other guys we've had on, bro. It's just it's it's an awkward question. Yeah, nah, it, it was definitely weird, especially when we found out he was going to Cincinnati, and we were all like, "Huh? Hold up, is he playing with us? Is this a joke?" Um, but nah, man. At the end of the day, bro, I feel like the guys. They let it, they use it as motivation. Um, and, and, you know, Deion Branch, he handled the situation well. Uh, he took on that role as being the interim head coach. Um, and, the, and the guys, they fed off of that energy. And it was really fun, actually. Um, and, I, and, of course, I didn't play. But, you know, I seen the guys having fun. Um, and, and going into that game, shoot, man, got the dub. How, how awesome was that to see the guys, like, the last game – 
knowing the motivation, knowing, you know, that's all your boys, your senior class and stuff like that. And seeing them go out that way and seeing coach Ivy, you know, still being out there being his yeah. crazy self. Like, I mean, I, I, I got, I took a lot of pride from it. I, I'm curious to see, hear how you were feeling. Man, I was, I was feeling uh, pretty good about it, especially, I mean, at the end of the day, I wanted to play with my guys, but you know, I had to, Oh, we don't blame you at all, dude. There's, I mean, yeah, I had, I had, I had to weigh my, my pros and cons of playing, but it was, it was fun to see those guys out, out there balling. It was fun to see Yaya and Yasir still out there getting sacks and turnovers and guys getting PBUs and all of that stuff. So it was, it was most definitely fun to see, man. And it was a, it was a fun journey with those guys for sure. Yeah, before we transition into talking more about the NFL draft and, and your preparation for everything that lies ahead over the next couple of weeks, there's one last thing I want to ask about. And it's, I, I don't honestly know if I've ever heard anybody ask you about this, but uh, as you got here and even before you got here a little bit, the comparisons to Jair Alexander set in, um, you know, coming from being a, you know, a guy who wasn't overly recruited. Um, you know, for Louisville, for years prior to your arrival, they had struggled to kind of find that guy who could lock down one side of the field. Did you ever hear about the Jair Alexander comparisons? Did you have any thoughts on that? I've heard it a couple of times, but I never really paid it. No crazy mind um, at the end of the day, because I still got I still had to go out there and play regardless of what comparison it is. You can compare somebody to Deion Sanders, but is they going out there and handling their business still? So. I mean, I really didn't pay it too much mind, but Jair, I, my boy, though, for sure. I see it, though, right? So the trash talking, right? I've been told you're a trash talker. Is that is there some truth to that, you think? Like, can you confirm that <laughs> yes, here or deny bro. that? If he says no, he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. See, see me, bro, I'm not going to come out the gate talking trash, but I will start talking. It, it get a little spicy. <laughs> That's right. See, there's that. And then you've got the just the, the swag that you play with and then the celebration. Right. That's where I think the comparisons really draw close together because you got the gritty that you hit when you scored the touchdown against Wake. And I don't know if you've ever seen Jair Alexander's chicken celebration, literally the, the best DB celebration I've ever seen, which leads me to my last question here before we talk about the NFL draft. Who celebrates more, defensive backs or defensive line? Defensive backs have been known to celebrate, you know, with a little bit of the, you know, breakup signal, even when the ball goes sailing over their heads. And they right, have that's to do what with I it. was going to say. Defensive <laughs> linemen will celebrate, you know, after they let a running back get a four-yard gain, you know. So we, we see it go back and forth. So in your opinion, Trey Clark, who celebrates more, defensive backs or defensive linemen? Man. It's a toughie. I know. It's like I said, one of the great debates of football. Hey, that is that is a tough one, bro. I'm, I'm not gonna lie though. I think I think I see a little bit more of the D line celebrating. Oh my a god! Bit, a little <laughs> bit more. We we do our little thing and then we we get back to it. They want to do the extra stuff, you know. Y'all y'all know they used to do yeah, all let, that. Let, let us mic y'all up, <laughs> running back to that huddle, running back after a go route, and y'all two hey. the only two running back. I'm sure there's nothing yeah. being said right there. Like, I'm going to give it to the D-line. I'm going to give it to the D-line. So. Season wraps up, and now it's on to the next part of your career, and that's the NFL draft um, where, you know, uh, prior to the injury, it looks like you're a first-round guy. And then after this season, um, you know, heading into the Shrine Bowl, you know, it was, a, it was a little bit of a, you know, 
really just it, it just depends on uh, what draft you're reading. But then that week happens, right? And it's a lot like Des a few years ago at the Senior Bowl. It's like every tweet. It's like Trell Clark this, this, this had this play, had this big play, this big play, the big winner of the week. You ball out in that game, and now what? What what are the scouts telling you? What's the feedback? Where are you kind of sitting overall as you head into the combine and everything else that uh, is ahead of the draft? Man, uh, to be honest, like you like you said, man, uh, I kind of I feel like I rose my stock, uh, like you said, coming coming from that season that I had before I got hurt. You know, I was balling out. Uh, you know, came came back the next season uh, and was dealing with some injuries, still trying to shake back to my true self, and uh, that kind of dropped me a little bit. But, you know, I really don't know um, at this time, bro. I just know that whenever I step on that grass and the lights is on me, um, I'm going to make sure that I show that I'm that I'm a top guy in this draft. And you can't compare me to nobody. Um, so now we got the combine coming up. I did my thing at the Shrine Bowl, did what I was supposed to do. Um, so now it's the combine. And, you know, any questions that they still have lingering over my head, can you run, um, can he jump, whatever. DB drills, whatever they want to see, uh, just make sure I check the box and show them, like, look, whatever. I don't care about all the stats that people have. Y'all going to get a pro. Y'all going to get somebody who is going to day in and day out, making sure that they're doing their best for this program, for myself, um, and just being a leader. An invite to the NFL combine, bro. That's every kid's dream growing up, you know, starting out in Little League. Uh what drill do you look at in that and you think, you know, that's my drill. That's I'm going to dominate that one. You know, Makai had his uh, 40 yard dash that he knew he was just going to blow out of the water for somebody that's 330, 340 pounds. And yeah. do you think those NFL combine days, you know, those pro days we did at Louisville, you think that's going to help you at all? You know, just being prepared for that. Oh, yeah, most definitely, bro. I feel like Louisville prepared me pretty well when it came to that. Um, those pro days that we had, that was that was first class to be able to do that um, at that time, you know, just to go through it, just to see where you at, um, just to see what the process is like. So when I get to it, I'm not gonna be, you know, blindsided. Uh, so, but I don't know, bro. I, I can't tell y'all too much, bro. I'm just let y'all know. You. <laughs> I'm gonna shock a lot of people. That's all I'm gonna say, you feel me? I, I mean, y'all, y'all watch me. You know, but I probably shock y'all too. You feel me? So y'all just I've gotta seen watch. I've you every bro. day. I know what you can do. You ain't gonna surprise yeah. me at this point. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna shock a lot of people, bro. I, I'm just being real, especially with the work I put in behind the scenes. It's all gonna come to fruition. So, yeah, have you put on a size or anything like that? Are you trying to bulk up or lean out? Is there anything specific that you're looking yeah, to do? Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't put on. I didn't put on the weight that I needed to put on. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm ever never going to weigh 190 unless I'm a, a old dad drinking beer. Yeah, like me. me. That's an accurate yeah. description. I know he got it right on the nail, though. I'll take 190. Thank you. That's a, that's a compliment. About 230. Drinking drinking beer and chilling's not doing me any good, Trey. Hey, man, that's the life of a fullback, right there, brother. Bro, I'm look, bro. Look, I'm 180. You know what I'm saying? That's where I want to be at. I feel explosive. I feel strong. I'm, I, they like Y'all like me when I was 160. You feel me? So I've never been 190 ever. So you ain't never seen that. So you can't 
you can't tell me that I'll be a better player at that weight if you ain't never seen me at that weight. So 180 is, is Keytrail Clark's weight, and that's where um, 185, 180 is where I'm sticking between that I'm still be myself. There you go, bro. I love that. I, mean, I, I, got, I mean, he, he this dude gets me ready to run through a freaking wall. I mean, you can imagine <laughs> how it was every freaking day in the meeting room, like just one-on-one interactions mm-hmm. with this man. Uh, <laughs> you might already said it, uh, Trey, but who would you compare your game to the most at the NFL level? Uh, Jacob made the Jair comparison. I was already going to throw that in there and throw in a little side story of when we were sitting in the team room as a defensive staff and court looks back at me and he's like, you see those feet? Like Jair, Jair, watch his feet again. Watch his feet again. Cause Brown kept <laughs> rewinding it and slowing it down. And yeah. So who would you compare yourself to the most in the league? Uh, I say, I say it's a mixture of different athletes. It's not just one person that I would compare myself to because I look at a lot of different guys in the league and kind of take a little bit from their game. So, man, I, I watch, like I said, I watch Asante. I watch Asante Samuel. Um, I, like I said, I watch Mike Hilton. Um, I watch – what's another guy that I watch? Man, hold up. Y'all wait real quick. I got I got, I got, got something for y'all. I got something. Look at this, man. He's got the notebook with the notes. Hey, this he's is the dedication biggest student right of the game. When people yeah. say that phrase, I mean, it's, it's – yeah, so I, 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 I take my notes. So I love like that, that, man. It says, it says top guys I watch. So so basically, I put this down because whenever they call me undersized, I just go back to this list and I just be like, y'all get out my ear. I don't want to hear that. So I watched Kayvon Young, you feel me, balling, play um, at Baltimore, 5'9", 175. I watch him balling. Jason McCourty, you feel me, got to watch Broski, 5'11". Jair, I, watch, I take a little bit from his game too, you feel me, 5'10", you feel me. Kenny Moore, y'all know Kenny Moore played with the coach. Mm-hmm. Yep. He playing the nickel. He's a baller. My boy is 5'9, 180. I'm not hearing it. Tyron Matthew, 5'9, 180. Mike Hilton, 5'9, 180. Y'all get the message, bro. So it's a lot of guys that I take my game from, uh, that I listen, to, that I that I listen to when they speak in football. I watch film. I still log in on the Exos and look at all that, bro. So it ain't just one person. It's, a, it's you gotta take something from each other person to feel. That, that that's pulls a, perfect into the next question of like where would you like to play more the true corner or the nickel dime package style guy of a Tyron Matthew Buda Baker where you're in the slot you know matching yeah. up against the number three receiver possibly a tight end man that's when we was in uh so when we were at the Shrine Bowl and we were going like we had Atlanta staff and we had Patriots staff so we were working with the Atlanta staff all week um, bro, I told them put me anywhere. I don't care, bro. Just put me on the field. You feel me? Like even in the bowl game, even I mean not in the bowl game, in the shrine bowl game, I was playing inside. Mm-hmm. He like, Trey, we want you to go inside for this for this drive. Okay, cool. Next drive, Trey, we want you to go outside for this drive. Okay, cool. Hey, look, bro, put me on the field, bro. I don't care where I go. You feel me? It don't matter. I play both. I like it. I love it. I love to hear, it, man. And I'm telling you right now, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. The combine, it's going to be a lot of people asking, like, "What the hell? Where are these little dudes coming from, man?" Because it's been <laughs> oh, it's been a while since Louisville's we had. Think, 
well, you know, deep, obviously, bro. that's what I'm saying, man. Makai had his, you know, he did his thing. And there's there's been some guys the last couple of years. But this year, you're, you're talking about five, six, seven guys potentially getting drafted. Talking about you. I, I've already said, you know, Yasir and Yaya, just based off of when they get off the bus, people are going to be impressed in Indianapolis. But then talk about you. You go out there, you run, you do the drills. You're Clearly, based off of what I've seen tonight, you're going to kill the media portion of it. It's going to be fun to watch, man. Going to be absolutely yeah. fun to watch. Uh, let, let's ask you one last thing and then we'll get out of here. What's your fondest memory of being in Louisville? What, what's the one lasting thing that you'll remember most about playing for the Louisville Cardinals? Man, I will never forget that Wake Forest game ever. It stuck <laughs> in my brain. That was literally the funnest game I've ever played in, in football besides high school because high school looked different. But that that's that's top three. You feel me? That moment, mm. everybody was happy. We had guys that don't really get in the game as much, get in the game against a, a right team. Uh it was bro, bro. That moment, if you I don't know if you were there, bro, but Oh, we were there. Oh, yeah, we were there. But I was gonna say, and I don't want to damper the moment because it's a one of my my one of my favorite games I've ever been to, but there was like you know, you this stadium fits 60,000 people. There's like twenty five thousand people for that game. It's like yeah, what yeah. for one of the funnest games. And I, I've been a fan for you know twenty five years, man. One of the funnest games I've ever been to in my entire life, and I celebrated with like four people. <laughs> yeah, bro. It, and the thing about it is, bro, like, dude, I I felt like it was sixty thousand people <laughs> in the crowd. You feel me? <laughs> That's how it felt to me. I don't really pay attention to the crowd anyways. Like, if you, like, I don't know, if it was somebody that record was to record me when I walk out the stadium, like when, when, the, when the smoke come on and all the mm -hmm. players come out, when I run out, every time I look around the whole stadium, as soon as I walk out, shake it off, and I don't think about the crowd ever again. You feel me? So I don't really, I don't really, Think about the crowd. So that game, it felt like it was sixty thousand. I ain't, I ain't even see the empty seats. Feel me? I just heard the people cheering. Yeah. I, I like I, I mean, we told this story for weeks and weeks, but Presley, uh, one of our frequent guests on the show, left to go get drinks and missed, I think, 21 points or something like that. I mean, just <laughs> just something absolutely silly. It's one of the most dominant stretches of football I've ever seen. If you put the Alabama jerseys on you all, I don't think anybody would have blinked. Like, it, it, it was <laughs> identical to what you'd see in a game like that. Well, man, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us. you got a busy couple of months, so best of luck to you, my friend. Congrats on everything that you've achieved during your time at Louisville. We were very fortunate to get to watch you play here, and we'll be rooting for you, man. Hey, for sure, man. I appreciate y'all for bringing me on. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.